We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jason Smith, mailbag. When a grad transfer or transfer commits, is it a done deal or do they wait until signing day to sign? Well, it's it's not the same kind of signing day thing for them. I mean, they just basically enroll. They do the paperwork they need to enroll, essentially, is what they do. Yep. You know, doesn't mean they can't have like a ceremony. They, didn't one of the transfers? I'm pretty do sure they something? introduced them on signing day last yeah, year. I remember, like I they had the videos so. and all that yeah. type of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's not like they have to wait to sign. It's a different. No. It's a different deal if they're a graduate. They, I don't. Do they, they don't have a letter of intent to sign either. I don't think. Right. It's just. I mean, like, they, they, there's a scholarship agreement, right? Sure. That they'll they'll sure. sign their scholarship paperwork. I mean, yeah. but it's not the same. Like, it's not the same. Like what you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Fax it in. <laughs> all that type yep. Of stuff. Yep. We had Guinea Rosso said. What's with Jordan Seaton going to Colorado? Oh, Gideon, I have so many, <laughs> so yeah. many opinions on this. We have a couple questions about him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to bring them both up look, now. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, Gideon. This is kind of my, my thoughts on this, right? Jordan Seaton, if you remember, he's the IMG offensive tackle, 2024 offensive tackle. Very talented player, by the way. Very talented. So he, there was like a top 12, I believe that was released about two or three months ago where he had Notre Dame on his top schools list, despite the fact that he had not been offered by Notre Dame. And then when we did the research, as far as like, is Notre Dame talking to this kid, they weren't recruiting him. They were actively recruiting him. So this, and again, I'm not trying to throw too much shade at Jordan Seaton. Great for him. You know, I hope he does great at Colorado. This is what we call a clout chaser. This is what this guy is. He wants the attention. And he had a final schools list that he did coming into the, the commitment dates, right? And he chose Colorado that wasn't on his commitment list, which tells me there was an offer that was made. And this is pretty common sense. There was an offer that was made last minute by Colorado that made him decide to go to the University of Colorado aside from his top schools list. And yeah, so again. Well, Ryan, it, to me, it's one of two scenarios for me. The first one and most likely is, in my opinion, is the one that you just stated. Yes, but the other one is he was just trolling those other teams, which is which is worse. That's way worse. That's way worse because you know, again, like I don't, I don't care that kids 
take take money, right? Like the money's in front of them. Cool. If that's what you want, that's what you that's want. That's the I, world I, we live in. That's not yeah. illegal now. Whatever. I, I don't, don't have like any. I, I don't have anything against them. And honestly, like I've seen people comment on Twitter about this whole situation, and you know the the typical Colorado fans are coming at them like, "Oh, you're just jealous. He's not going to your team." I, as a Notre Dame recruiting analyst, right for a second, director. Notre Dame was never recruiting that kid. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to come to Notre Dame. So I don't have a dog in the fight. Right. All I'm saying is, is that let's look at the actions. It was obvious that there was something that was thrown out there pretty late in this process, right? Or like Brian said, or he's just trolling these other top schools list to make them think that like he, it, like they are part of the equation and he makes that decision late. Jordan yeah. Seaton's it's his, that's his decision. Ultimately, I don't care that that's where he chose. I don't care what his process was to choosing it. I hate the process of what he did at the end in the last minutes as far as those other schools were not even on the table anymore because he got a team that came in late. I hate that. That process is very flawed. Very flawed to me, and I don't like that. And the whole thing with the Notre Dame on a top schools list when he wasn't even recruited, why did he use Notre Dame as a top schools list for him despite not even talking to Notre Dame? It was for attention. It was for clouts. That is yeah. what it is, unfortunately. So hope he's a great player, but I the process was very annoying to me. I, it was it annoyed me to be very honest. Yeah. There was a question, Ryan, about comparing. Here we go. This is uh this is it right here. Okay. Hey guys, I was wondering who will be bigger, Joe Alt or Gerby Lambert? I think Gerby will be bigger as far as like girth, like a yeah. big dude. That's I mean Gerby Gerby Lambert's 300-something pounds right now, and he looks small. He's got to kind of cut that yeah. Charles Jagasaw build where you're yeah. like, that dude's just going to be like 325 and like just huge Easy. Yeah. muscle. He, he won't be as tall as Joe, but I think he'll be thicker. This is actually the one that I meant to bring up is this one right here. Better process, uh, prospect, Gerby Lambert is from Bobby S. or Jordan Seaton. I think it's Gerby Lambert uh, for a lot of reasons because you have to put attitude and, and mindset into this. I don't yeah. know a lot of prima donna offensive linemen that have gone on to be really good players. I'm just being honest. I just don't know a lot of them that have done that. I think Jordan Jordan Seaton has a lot of skills. He's got very fast hands. Yeah, he's very. Uh, athlete, he's yeah. pretty pretty good athlete. Yeah, have got pretty decent strength and and you know I think his footwork's a bit of a mess. I don't. I think he needs to learn to bend a little bit better. There's just there's just something about the kid that I'm just like I don't know I don't I mean he's he's got a lot of physical tools. I think Gearbeats Gearby to me it can match him in a lot of ways athletically. Gearby's a lot longer. Uh, I think Gearby has more pow- just raw natural power. Yeah, and Gearby is to me has the mindset of what most successful offensive linemen are, which is just uh, I'm going to go do my business and you know play ball. So, but yeah. it, it, look, the reality is, as much as I kind of dislike how Jordan Seaton handled his recruitment, he's a very talented offensive lineman. Yeah, I'm very not different from say, Gerby yeah. as well. Very yeah. different from Gerby. Yeah, yeah. Ger- Gerby's more of because I agree with you in the sense that if we're just talking about the full package of what we know personally and what drives him, like, yeah, you're going to take Gerby Lambert with from the whole package perspective. Gerby is a little bit more physically imposing in my opinion like i think he has more natural power i think his flashes are higher jordan seaton i think is just very smooth athletic yeah. i think he's actually pretty well coached too i mean like yeah. i think well, he's done a pretty good job with i him didn't think so on junior film right yeah yeah and so when i watched a senior film i was expecting to just see this raw athletic kid again but he yeah. was i mean his pass sets were a lot more improved he used his hands up he knew when to shoot him early when to hold him back and Yep. You know, and, and that allowed you to see how fast his hands were because his underclass yes. was just get my hands on you. Yep. So, yeah, IMG did a really nice job developing him this year. They did. Um, 
I would say this too. They're very different from the type of system you want to recruit them to. Sure. And, and if Colorado is going to run anything like they ran this past year, he's the perfect left tackle for them. Sure. Because to me, he is a air raid, pass the ball a lot, tackle, pulls. Get he reminds me spaced. of Charles Cross a lot that played at Mississippi State. Yeah. Like I could see that kind of like yeah. he's just he's just very smooth in everything. Because if does. you're going to have him, Ryan, you're going to want to pull him in the run game. You're going to have movement stuff with him. You know, I don't know that he's a guy that you're going to say let's just drive block and power block all day. Where Gearby is more of a pro style type of offensive lineman. Right. This kid, to me, if you just take the way it got there, if Colorado still wants to run this air raid offense that Dion brought in, that's the kind of ideal in a build them in a lab air raid left tackle. I would agree to me. So you take that other stuff out. It it makes sense. It does. It makes sense why he made that pick. I just don't like the way he that's to your point. I don't care that he picked Colorado. I actually think Colorado makes a lot of sense. If we're just talking scheme, if you're comfortable out in Boulder, whatever, if you're comfortable with the coaches, whatever, but he's definitely going to play early. He's definitely going to play early. (laughs) And and, well, that's the other part too, is they, they, I mean, he should start as a freshman there. I mean, they need him desperately. They need him desperately. And uh, you know, so all that stuff makes sense. It's just the way you went about it is just kind of, you know, if, if he would have just, even with the Notre Dame thing a couple months ago, if he would have just included Colorado in his final schools and pick Colorado today, I would have been like, all right, sure. Whatever, man. Cool. The fact that they weren't in his final schools and just like, dude, that rubs me the wrong way. Either way, either for for either reason that he ended up doing that. It just not, yeah, yeah, rubs me the wrong way. Agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, let's get back up top and get to some more questions. Tommy, guns, we did not um, we did not unstar your question. We'll get to it at the end. Here's a good doing? one, Ryan, because this was this one was on the board that okay. uh um I'll just kind of quickly I'll read it real quick and just quickly sure. say what I said because I want to give you a chance to to say more. Uh, because I responded to this on the message board. But it says, Can you compare and contrast Riley Leonard and Drake May? Everyone seems to be higher on May, but I just don't see it. I think the town around May is so much better. Uh, I agree with the last part. I think the talent around May is is definitely better, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not a better player. I, I, here's here's where I look at it: is to me, Drake May and Riley Leonard in a lot of ways are very similar players. I think Drake May is just a little bit more dynamic as a thrower. I think he's a bigger arm. You know, Riley has a good arm. Drake to me has a bigger arm. Uh, not that he has a big big arm, but a bigger arm. Yeah. You know, I, I think Drake is a little bit more gunslinger ish, which I kind of like. Uh, and I think Drake is a little bit more of a, I mean, it's kind of like they're similar, but Drake has just proven to be a little bit better. I think the other part too is Drake's system has allowed him to develop certain things that Riley's going to need to develop yeah. because of the way that they use him. So I think that's part of it too. But I don't think the talent, Ryan, is necessarily enormously different or better. Yeah. Like Caleb Williams has way more physical tools than Riley Leonard, like arm strength and uh, – but. Drake and Riley are similar. I just think Riley Drake is just a you know little bit better arm, you know a little bit more dynamic playmaker that type of thing. Mm-hmm. My, it's my thoughts. What what are your what's yeah. your what's your comparison between the two? I, I think both are very smooth athletes. I think that Riley's a little bit more explosive than Drake, but both obviously can do stuff in the run game. Um, uh, you know, as a extender and all that type of stuff, right? So. I think that they are similar body types as well. I think that Drake's probably a little bit taller, but regardless, they kind of have that, you know, that slender gangly type of look to them, but they're a lot stronger than you necessarily think they would be based upon their body types. I think that Drake is just a more comfortable decision maker within a pocket at the moment. I think that Riley is still developing in those regards. Cause I think the one thing we need to remember about Riley is that, he was more of a basketball player in high school for the most part until late. And then he barely played as a true freshman. And then obviously he got hurt this past year as a junior. So he still needs to play, man. Like he still needs to figure it out and to continue to develop as a passer. But I do, I would agree. I think that Drake's arm is slightly stronger than Riley's. I think that he is more comfortable right now, just working in the pocket in general. I think Riley because Drake can change arm angles and do that type of stuff mm-hmm. as well. I just think Riley's a little bit better at changing arm angles than Drake. Not that it's like substantial, but I think it's a little bit better. And I think that Riley's a more explosive athlete than what Drake is. So there are some similarities, slight differences, but ultimately you're going to ask them to do a lot of the same yeah. things from a right. physical perspective. You're going to ask them to do a whole lot of the same things. Riley's got to learn to be willing to pull the trigger in ways that Drake was. Although I will say Drake was more of that last year than this year, in yep. my opinion, uh, in a, in a different type of offense. I, I, I think Drake may is a really talented quarterback. I was a little disappointed in his season this year and how they used him. I'm just yep. going to be honest with you on that, Ryan. Like, was, I don't know. The OC was, um, somebody, somebody yeah. very experienced. Who was the OC this year? I can't remember, but yeah, 
I, I was not in love with how they used him this year. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, yep. um, yeah, because, I mean, they had they had talent. They really did. They But, they yeah, I just and, – and not having Tez Walker all year, too, hurt. I mean, because once he finally got in there, he was he was pretty he's good. Balling. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty good. Yep. Miami was like, oh, crap. Couldn't you guys just waited two more weeks to give him his eligibility back? Seriously. So he torched them. Here's another, here's another one, Ryan. I'm going to ask this one because uh, okay. this is more for you. It's an NFL draft question from Gideon Rosa. It says, who projects better the NFL, Quinn Ewers or Michael Penix? Oh, my gosh, Gideon. That's actually a really difficult question. I think – oh, my God. I'm not really a big fan of either of them at the moment. My, I, I, For the my, NFL, you're referring. Yeah. My my opinion can be changed on that fact, but I would say that I think Michael Penix brings a higher floor to the table, but there's still a lot of untapped with Kent Quinn Ewers that I think is very translatable to the next level. I'm not overly high on either right now. If you see a lot of mock drafts that have Michael Penix as a first-round pick right now, I think you're going to end up being surprised about where he ends up going. He's more, I think, going to be a day-two quarterback when it all is said and done because I don't think the NFL is as high as what the media is and what college football fans are. And he also has some awful medicals, man. Like he is going to have to answer a lot of medical question marks there. Quinn Ewers, he fits the modern system, right? Like he's got a little bit of that swagger off, you know, out of structure fits some, some off platform stuff, the ability to throw from different arm angles. It's cool. I think that he needs another year, though. I th- and I think that he's already announced that he's most likely coming back for his senior season next year, and I think that's a very wise decision by Quinn Ewers. Yeah, I think if he goes back, I think that it was going to be him on both sides of the coin. But right now, if both were in the 2024 NFL draft, I would say Penix brings a higher floor, and I think that Ewers brings a high ceiling, but I'm not necessarily bought into either one of them at the moment. I, I think if I were going to take a chance on one of the two, I'm taking a chance on Quinn Ewers. Yeah, And here's why I'd say that. Number one, the medicals, as you mentioned, but more so just because I think Michael Penix is a great system quarterback Yeah, in Kalen DeBoer's system. And he's, and, and he's smart from what I hear. He's so. smart, and, yeah. he's a, and, and he's got huge stones. I mean, yeah. you know, like that and throw he's got he a made. strong arm, man. He's got yeah, a he strong does. arm, too. So. That throw he made in the fourth quarter against Oregon State to Roma Dunze was just a, you know, you remember that scene from, you ever watch Major League? Yeah, you know, the Major League Two, you know yep. that scene where Serrano has that home run and they're kind of making fun of his masculinity. I mean, that was that was that kind of that exactly. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and so I love him as a college quarterback. Love him as a college quarterback. Look, I at just that don't scoreboard now, yeah, grasshopper. Exactly. <laughs> but I just don't, I don't see a guy that translates to the next level incredibly well. Yeah, I think he's got a very strong arm, but I think he also has a longer release. And I don't, you know, I just. I think he's more of a great college player, not necessarily a great NFL player. Quinn Ewers to me is is interesting because in his arm talent's nutty. I mean, he really yeah. does have great great arm talent, but there's the other yes. things you question. Yes. Experience, you know, attitude. And, and the problem is because he was in the spotlight at such a young age, all yeah. his immaturity growth stuff, we still all remember. Yeah. You know, I still remember the mullet I, and the but you look I, I do you think hear, it's getting better though, right? Exactly. It's, it's you hear the kid yeah. talking now, you're like, this is a kid that's growing up in front of our very eyes that went from this, I'm the man, I want to go to Ohio State just to get paid, I want to do all this kind of stuff. And now you listen to him now and he's like humble team leader yep. and 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 showing some toughness. But my other question with Quinn Ewers is he's gonna have his own 
sort of medical thing because he's had a couple times he's missed he'll miss games each of his first years as starter he will have missed multiple starts with injuries now they yeah. weren't the the devastating like like huge ones like the Michael ACLs Penix had. but the, stuff, it's yeah. more about durability than I guess medicals is a bad it's more about durability well no, I mean it's a part of medicals though yeah. durability's matter in their section what so, I'm yeah. referring yeah. to Ryan when I think medicals and, and you correct me if I'm wrong is I'm thinking like yeah. something that's like a okay you're off the board because you yeah. have well yeah if it's, severe, if it's severe that much agree yeah, <laughs> right that much, you have yeah. a shoulder that's waiting to get popped out you they, know, like, they do stuff like so from the NFL draft space they do a thing called a DEXA scan which is basically it, it's it's basically measuring bone density, which because because what is what are the NFL teams trying to do? They're trying to project how your body is going to hold up for years. Right. And like that bone density is a big part of that, obviously. So, yeah, man, I mean, like there's a few of those guys this year, though, like Michael Penix is one. A more severe one is Liatu Latu out of UCLA that literally had the medical retire from a broken neck. <laughs> like there's some guys this year, man, where medicals are going to be a little tough, man. It's going to be a little tough, but we shall see. But hey, man, I like Quinn Ewers, the talent, though. And honestly, yeah. it sounds really stupid, but I love that he shaved the mullet. For me, like that was yes. like a, he just looks more like a normal kid now and just yes. not like a like, dude, and, you're just stop. I, I hope that and I hope that everything follows, but like it's like an identity shift, right? Like that's not the same guy I remember. Like hopefully that, it, that mullet follows. is like the 90s version of like quarterbacks would have like that Val Kilmer from Top Gun yes. hair, you know, and it's just like, dude, you're you're wait, you're you care way too much about how you look. Yes. you know uh, and and but no I, I think I mean you just watch the kid he's trying to grow up you listen to him after the Alabama win and just the humility he showed and the team and the team and so I, I do think we're seeing a kid that's grown up and yep. some of the red flags I had about his attitude are not quite the same and and then when you watch him the big thing for me Ryan was you know Quinn Ewers is 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 it's had some good games at Texas yeah but the thing that that, that I like about him this year is what he showed me a little bit this year is he can play well in the big stage. I thought he had some bad decisions that, that forced results, some turnovers against Oklahoma, yeah. but he also made some money throws and then led them on that go-ahead drive late in the game that his defense then gave up. Yep. He was outstanding in Tuscaloosa, in my opinion. And in and, the Big 12 title game. Yes, too, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean – he could have thrown. They could have had him throw for six hundred yards in that game, Ryan. If he could wanted, have. he had like three hundred fifty at halftime. Yeah, and he ended up with four fifty two. So that's something that he showed me this year that I didn't. That that would have probably been my biggest question mark is: Does this kid have the ability to really be that guy in big moments? Because in high school, he didn't always play well in their biggest games, but this year he showed me a little bit of something. So if I had to take an, a chance on one of those two with a first round pick, I'm taking a chance on yours. I think yeah. this is a, not even a debate if he comes back for another year, which as well, of right now, it sounds like he will. Correct, Ryan? Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's kind of the latest is that he's, I think it's, I don't know if it's been officially announced, but like leaning towards coming back. And honestly, that would double down on the maturity thing, probably improving, right? Because I think immature Quinn Ewers would just jump to the NFL right now and try to get the money. But right. Well, I and, and coming back, he's three years younger than Michael Penix. He's literally 20 years old right now. Yeah. Oh, Michael Penix is like going to be like 25 as a rookie. He'll be, so. he'll be 24 as a rookie. 24. 24. Yeah, he's 23 right now. He'll be 24 in May. Quinn okay. Ewers won't be 21 until March. I mean, so yeah. he's a legit three years younger than him as well. So I would definitely, I would, I'm with you, Ryan. I would definitely lean towards yours. Now, again, if I'm talking about who's my starting quarterback and at, at Notre Dame in 2023, if I had to pick between Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix, it's Michael Penix. Yeah. Right now, today is the better quarterback in college. Yes. So, um, but I really liked some of the things I saw from Quinn Ewers this year.
Yeah, Jimmy James says, does RJ Oban have the skill set style Notre Dame is looking for in a big end? Thoughts on Cyrus Moss going to the portal? The the RJ Oban thing is interesting, Ryan, because he is very much like what Javante Jean Baptiste was, which is you look at him and, and you're like, I don't know that he really fits the big end of of what we think the big end position to be. He's not really a he's not really a great run defender. It's not that he's bad. He just you know, he's just more of a pass rusher. There. They don't yeah. use him there, really. <laughs> yeah, he's just a edge rusher, much like Javante Jean Baptiste. Now he's not as long as Javante was. He's a little thicker in the in the in, well, he's thicker in the lower half than Javante was. I think he's a little better of an athlete than Javante. Yeah, agree. Yeah. A little bit twitchier yeah. off the line. Yes. Uh there are some things I think you can you can get him to be better as an edge defender, like they did with Javante. Like that's the thing that was the biggest surprise to me. Like Javante Jean Baptiste ending with nine and a half tackles for loss. Yeah. And what was it like five or six sacks this year, Ryan? Was the least surprising thing about what he brought to the table. We talked about this. Like this kid's got a chance to be a, a really good pass rusher for Notre Dame. Four sacks, actually. Yeah. Not surprising to me at all. It's how good he was in the run game yes. that was the biggest surprise to me. Because that's he bought, not he bought into Al Washington, man. He bought yes. into Al Washington. He did. He yeah. did. And if RJ Open can have a, I mean, to me, somebody asked this question, Ryan, and, and, and this is kind of relevant to this, and I'm very curious to get your thoughts on this, but it was actually a really good question uh, from Adam Blair. He says, who's better, pre-Notre Dame, Javante Jean-Baptiste, or RJ Oban? Like RJ Oban. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I think that RJ is a little bit more athletic, similar body types for the most part. Like, they, they kind of mirror each other a little bit. But I also think the one underrated thing, because I've I watched a bunch of RJ this year because I actually thought he was going to be in the draft, <laughs> but he's really nuanced for his age yeah. as far as like he's got a plan as a pass rusher. I thought Javante kind of at Ohio State specifically kind of just won because he was a pretty good athlete with good length, right? And you just kind of went around the outside track a little bit. RJ, I think, really has a nice plan of attack, and he's a pretty good athlete as well. So I would be excited if RJ Oven came to Notre Dame, man. I think he's got a pretty nice upside to him. Yeah. Here's the here's the um, the other interesting part of it too, Ryan, is because the guys that you're looking at as your young big ends are guys that are most likely going to be more run defender ish. Brandon yeah. Vernon, yep. Tyson Ford, uh, you know, may, maybe maybe a Josh Burnham if they move him over. But Bryce you know, Young is the young kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, this guy brings a little bit more of that pass rushing edge to the table, and yes. honestly. I could see scenarios where he's playing Viper. I, I could too. I mean, he could definitely be like a yeah. Isaiah Foskey esque yeah. like type of Viper. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely could see that. No question. I should think it. he's kind of like he's not quite as athletic as Foskey, but like he's not incredibly far off. Like they are. Right. I mean, Foskey was just longer than what right. RJ. I mean, Foskey was stupid. And I long, thought really. I I thought Isaiah had a little bit more natural pop. Yeah, but I think some of the finesse. I mean, we got to remember who's his dad. Right. Who's RJ Oban's dad? Roman. Right? And so he's he's an interesting situation, Ryan, because he's not a guy where like Chris Rumpf, you know, his dad played D line, I believe, right? I mean, he's a D line coach, you know what I mean? So what where a lot of these, you know, Howard Cross Jr., you know, his 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 dad was a tight end, right? Because of what, yep. but like a lot of these kids that were their dads were D linemen, they're D, Bryce Young, his dad's Brian Young, D lineman. Well, RJ's dad was an offensive tackle. Which gives him a completely different skill set to work with is like is more of like when a D line coach goes to the O line coach and says, "Hey, talk to me about some things that I can do to give that give you problems." So right. it's almost like his instruction came from the other side. You know, I grew up I grew up in the home of my enemy, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I know all their tricks and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's something that certainly helped him. Helped yeah. him. Would agree. So uh, 
That's yeah. why I love that's why I love like defensive backs that also played wide receiver in high school, right? right? It's like he knows exactly what you're trying to do from a technical perspective and a mindset perspective. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, Game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Here's a, I'm going to read this response, Ryan, and I want you to respond to it. UE2K says, Penix has a better arm. Ewers is a Brock Purdy type. Oh, I hate that comp. I absolutely <laughs> hate that comp. I hate it. Um, I would say this. I think natural, natural arm strength, Penix probably does have a little bit more just natural velocity, but Quinn Ewers is a more natural thrower as far as like he can do a lot of different things from different arm slots and arm angles. Yeah. And I think he's a more natural thrower overall. Brock Pur- like, hey, Brock Purdy's playing great ball for San Francisco, yeah. right? But, like, Brock Purdy's not this, like, physical specimen of a passer, right? Like, Quinn Ewers, whether he works out in the NFL or not, when he gets the NFL, it's going to be like, that guy has probably top 15 to 20 arm talents in the yeah. NFL as far as fitting things in different windows and such. Like, he can do some stuff, man. And he's 20. Yes. that That's, yep. he's 20. Yep. His arm's going to continue to get stronger. Yep. There's no doubt about it. And I, no don't, I don't like I, that cop. Compliment. I actually liked Brock Purdy. I, I was joking about it on Twitter, but like I liked Brock Purdy a lot. You did. I, we had those conversations before even you even worked for me, Ryan. He regressed his last two years. He was not yes, the same dude that he was a sophomore, and that's kind of why I fell off a little bit on him. But am I surprised that he is a good player in the Kyle Shanahan system? No, I'm right. not. I'm not. But. Not quite to this degree, but like, do you yeah. think he? Do you think he's a good quarterback everywhere? Or do you think he's a guy that has to be sort of in a system? In the beginning, I think that he had to be in a system, okay. but I think as he develops now and he's in this system and he's learning consistently and he's going to be able to put more stuff on his plate, I do think that he could eventually become a player and maybe even soon, where it's like if there's a system change or he has to go to a different team or whatever, I think that he can sustain it a little bit better. So I think fit early on in his career was very important though. Very, very important. Somebody just put in the chat, Mabos. Mabos. <laughs> Spelled it Mabos. that way too. Mabos. You have Mabos. no Mabos. Well, the best was that Serrano was like, Mabos. Mabos. And then he hit, he Mabos? Hit... Mabos? <laughs> great scene. He yeah. didn't get it at first. Like what? Mabos. Yeah. Mabos. That's great. I thought he said manners at first. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had no 
Marbles. <laughs> Great. Like that movie wasn't as good as the first one, but no. it had some really funny stuff in it. Yeah, it, it really did. did. It did. It was a, it was a little too silly. The second well, one. Well, and, and with all yeah. due respect to Omar Epps, he's just not Wesley Snipes. He's like, not Wesley that, Snipes. That like he was forcing like Wesley Snipes. That like the attitude that Willie Mays Hayes had. That was just na- Wesley Snipes could just naturally be that way. With Omar Epps, it's almost like it got too silly. It was right. too fake, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was. And uh, Rube Baker was like the dumbest character of all time. That's <laughs> really another conversation was. for another day. Guys, <laughs> that guy's not, you know, that was, yes, it was. That was right, we, we had a question from Billy D. Williams. Super chat. Super Thank chat. you, Billy D. Yeah, man. Thank you, Billy. Uh, great. You know, you played Gail Sayers very well, by the way. Is Bubakar Traore still a Viper and Brandon Vernon still a strong side defensive end? Does Jordan Botello stay next year or is he an over to, is he overtaken by Burnham? And JT, what do you think defense line too deep in 2023? Well, I know what it is in 2023. I think Billy is referring to 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2023, it's J- J- Jean Baptiste and Nana Big N. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, is Bubakar still a Viper and Vern is still a strong side end? Right now, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I do not think they're, they're, they're with Bubakar where he plays is going to be dependent upon how this offseason goes. Yeah. Right. And it's only like 237 in the preseason. Right. right? So, I don't think they're going to be scared from keeping him at Viper if he stays in a 250 ish range. If he keeps that twitch, I would keep yeah. him at Viper. I wouldn't exactly. even mess with it. Yeah. That That's not something. And here's the interesting thing, Ryan. You know, sometimes guys are a little different than when you anticipated them. Yeah. There wasn't a ton of film of, 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 uh, Bubakar in high school. And you always saw some athleticism, explosiveness, which is why we, we said, I think I had him number one in yep. upside. You had him number two. And then I had Armel number two and yet Armel number one. But it's kind of like, you know, like it's really close. They were always upside guys. And I think when Bubakar kind of lost weight and got in shape and you, he, that even came out even more, they were not anticipating him being a guy that could play Viper. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, that's just a conversation I've had. He was even more explosive than they anticipated. They thought he was going to be an explosive big end. They did not anticipate him being an explosive viper. Right. You know, so uh, as long as he doesn't like blow up, become 270 plus, I I could see him staying there. I What I believe eventually the defense will be is a little bit more interchangeable than it is now. Yeah. In, in my view, where it's not a huge jump between like when, when I'm hearing that they may move Josh Burnham to big end, it's like, they're not going to ask Josh Burnham to do what Riley Mills did in 2022. They're sure. not going to ask him to do what what Myron Tungvaloa did in 2021. It's a At it's, 280 pounds. They're looking whatever, for yeah. more of what Javante Jean Baptiste did, which is a got to set the edge, but you got to set the edge of Viper too. But I, a guy that's more of a playmaker. I, I think ideally, I, I've ta- I've said this before, but I think ideally the big ends or the field end and the boundary end, however you want to phrase this. I think that those positions need to be a little bit more interchangeable eventually. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I'm cause why are you getting longer and more athletic at defensive ends and a couple other spots? I think it's because right. if you get caught where it's like, if you get caught in a couple of years where Bubakar Traore is your Viper, but then he gets caught to the field at a point, it doesn't hurt you because he can do right. a little bit of both roles. Right? Like I think right. that the interchangeableness is what I'm really looking for. Well, I mean, just Ryan, look at the production. Last year, the top two big ends had nine and a half tackles for loss. Yep. And they had, let's see, six and a half sacks, right? So the sacks were there. But some of those sacks came from Justin Adamiola playing in the nickel, like nickel looks, right? Let's be honest about that. Not as a pure big end. 
but this year you look at it and you're two, you're two in, and they call it a field end now. Yeah. Uh, their two field ends had 15 combined for 15 tackles for loss and seven sacks. That's way more production than we've seen from this. Yep. Uh, but what is a lot of it, right? It's a lot of it is run game production on top of sacks. And, and, and then we think of how many times Devante Jean-Baptiste didn't make a sack, but influenced someone else getting a sack with his fir- him being the first guy to get there in the pressure. Ultimately, sure. I think that's what they want to have. Now, you have to be able to play the run, but you have they want more of a true edge player than they've had in the past because partly because they're going to more of a nickel defense. It's like when you're playing in a 4-2-5 with more of a Jack Kaiser, Jeremiah Wusukormo, you're going to play that big end inside a lot more. Right. That's just the nature of it. He's going to play in a lot more seven eye, te- or, you know, seven technique, things like that, Ryan, because just the way that you're going to call it. Notre Dame did a lot more this year than we've seen in the past of them having Javante Jean Baptiste on the edge or head up of tight ends and, and, and especially on the outside of tackles as you're playing more teams that are doing, you know, 11 it's personnel nice. with detached tight ends. Right. And, right. Yep. and so you're, you're looking for more of a true edge player in that position. And that's why we're seeing Bryce Youngs and Cole Mullins and Logan. None of those guys are natural big ends in the way that that Riley Mills was and Myron Tungvaloa Amosa was. Sure, they're more productive players, and I and I think that's smart because what was the best big end that Notre Dame has had in the last ten years, in my opinion, it's Khalid Kareem, yeah. who was a ten plus tackle for loss guy two years in a row. Like you want production from that position, and they didn't really get it in the, in the last several years. And honestly, if if Marcus Freeman and was building this defense in a perfect world, I think he would rather have Isaiah Foskey being a field end in a perfect world defense than a, I, than a I, boundary. I would have also liked to have Isaiah Foskey more as a field yeah. end, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but he did a lot was, of great things. But that he was them building what they had. They right. had to play him there, right? And and so those are those are different aspects of it. So sure. Yeah, but but good stuff. And then uh, as far as the two deep, uh, let's let's hold off a little bit on that, Billy, because I need to find out if like Howard Cross and Riley Mills are definitely coming back or not. Yeah. Uh, but with end, we can kind of at least we know who the players are going to be. But again, we don't know is Josh Burnham going to stay at Viper? Is he going to move to big end, field end? Is Junior going to move? I think there's going to be some movement there. Does Tyson Ford stay on the edge? Does he move inside? As of right now, field ends guys that we know are on the roster. You're looking at Brendan Vernon. You're yep. looking at Tyson Ford. Uh, Viper, you're looking at Patelho, and as, as far as now, I we anticipate him being back, but that's not necessarily given. We could see how sure. things plan out, but Patelho and uh, Junior Telemachus field end or boundary ends, Vipers, and then you'll have Bubakar competing as a Viper. Yep. And then as far as the incoming freshmen, you know Logan will be a boundary. You know that Bryce Young will be a field. And then Cole Mullins, it's kind of like, let's see how his rehab goes to see where yeah. his need is the greatest. He could play both, in my opinion. Um, so that's that's there. Uh, we'll find out whether those two veterans come back. But they're going to be if, – if Riley Mills and Howard Cross come back, their name's going to be absolutely – I think they're going to be outstanding up the middle next year. Yeah. I mean, because you'll have Rubio's going to be a senior. Onye's going to be a senior. Heinish is going to be a junior. And then Devin Houston and Armel are going to be sophomores. With, I mean, Brian, they're going to be so – Cibolano coming in to yeah. like – yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're going to be loaded up the middle next year if those two kids come back. A lot of size there too, oh, man, yeah. which is very different from years past. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We had a, another question from Gideon Rosa. Gideon, a lot of great questions today, man. Who is your coach of the year and assistant coach of the year? Assistant coach of the year. I, I'm sorry that I, like they, they actually named their Browse Award winner Ryan and I yeah. often disagree and complain 
yeah. about Browse Award winner oh, I, I, this I, year, I, I it is a no-brainer. Yeah. The fact that <laughs> Iowa won 10 games while scoring 18 points a game yep. is 100% on Phil Parker being a great defensive yes. coordinator. <laughs> and he also did that, Ryan, while losing two first-round draft picks and a third-round draft pick off of their defense last year because they lost the, the they lost Campbell linebacker. They yep. lost the Van Ness kid at end, and I always forget his name, but Lucas the kid that the Broncos dropped, Riley, drafted Riley in the third Moss. round. Riley, Riley Moss. Moss. Yeah. And so they lost. I mean, they, they also they also lost um, their best corner, Cooper DeGene, midway through the season as yeah. well. He's been out the second half of the year. So, yeah. so you lost a lot of NFL talent from Iowa, and yep. you still had a great defense with no help from your offense. So, to me, assistant coach of the year was about the biggest no brainer. With yep. all due respect to other, I mean, Jim Knowles did a great job, and sure. Al Golden did a great job, and I mean, there's. Mike Denbrock did a great job this year with that offense. I mean, he, he, to me would have been a finalist for that job, but when you look at what Phil Parker was working with on, yeah. in a lot of different ways, he did a phenomenal job this year. Yeah. Phil Parker, Phil Parker is a great choice coach of the year. I'll probably go Kalen DeBoer. I mean, like he's, he did yeah. a great job at Washington this year. I mean, there's a couple good choices. Hey, Ryan, I'm telling you right now, man, I, yeah. the Braun guy at Northwestern gets a, gets an honorable mention oh, yeah, for me for coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, just what they had to go through to take them not only to go to a bowl game, but a seven and five bowl game. Like, yeah. dude, that's a heck of a job. Sure. Um, you know, just some. I'm trying to think through. I think Rhett Lashley did a really nice job at the AC. Oh, but Rhett not did quite, great. He did yeah, not great. quite enough to be like player of the year. I think Jeff Brom did a really nice job. They just if they wouldn't have finished so poorly, I would have had a. I would have tried to make a bigger case for him because they, yeah. they he he really turned that team around in impressive fashion. And another guy that should be in conversation that we're not talking about a lot. Of people aren't. Steve Sarkeesian took an eight and five football team to the college football playoff. He did eight and five last. You know what? What were they? Thirteen and thirteen and twelve the last two years. Something about that. And then took them to college football playoff. That included a. It's not like they had Michigan schedule. Included a road win over another playoff team. Yeah. Um, you know where where Kalen DeBoer did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job this year. But they were eleven and two last year. He should have been more in consideration last year. To me, but to go thirteen and zero and and with that November schedule was a really impressive, really impressive. My, my uh, vote, my vote, my, my vote goes for Deion Sanders in the first three weeks of the season. <laughs> Cut it off there; we're good to go. <laughs> yes, yes, and you know who else? Uh, to me, did a really nice job this year, and I don't particularly care much for him. To be completely honest with you, uh, I'm I'm just I'm not a fan of him personally. But Elijah Drinkwich did a really nice job with oh, Missouri great. this year. Great so there, there was a lot of legitimately good Kurt Signetti at James Madison. The job he did this year uh, I thought was outstanding. There was a lot of really good Coach of the Year candidates this year, Ryan, in my opinion. And, of course, the one you mentioned uh, is, is yeah. legitimate as well. But here's another guy that, to me, I thought just did an excellent job that should be in the conversation, but he won't be because he's at a small school. And I'm being dead serious about this. It's Chuck Martin. Sure. Yeah. Chuck I mean, he he did a phenomenal job this year. We're talking about a team that last year went six and seven, and this year they go eleven and two. Beat a power five team in Cincinnati. Uh, their own what their one of their two they they lost to Miami and at Florida at the beginning of the year, lost to Toledo at home, but then they got payback over Toledo in the MAC championship game. A guy had a heck of a year. So a lot of great coaching. Moral story, Ryan. There's a lot of great coaching jobs this year. There sure. really were. Uh, to where, you know, like, look, if, if, would I give it to, um, Kalen DeBoer? Probably not. Would I argue with someone who wanted to go with him? Heck no. Cause he, 
guy went 13 and 0, had to beat Oregon yeah. twice. You know, I mean, he did a great job. There's a lot of guys, there's just a lot of great coaching jobs on this year. And I'll say this too. This is one of the best coaching jobs Nick Saban's done of his playoff teams because this team is not as good as a lot of the playoff teams that they've had in the past. They just found ways to win. He's not getting the the, the pick for me, but I just wanted to recognize that he did a really good job this year. Who would be your SEC coach of the year this year, Ryan? For uh, me, it'd be Drinkwitz. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's, I that's mean, who I would be. They were picked to finish like second to worst in the SEC yeah. this year, and then they end up winning double-digit games. Yeah. So, yeah. And we're competitive against Georgia. We're competitive yeah. against LSU in their two losses. Sure. So, yeah, I think he did a nice job. I think he did a really nice job. Good question. I, I like stuff like that. Football Hound says favorite Christmas holiday song. Oh man. Silent Night's always been one that I just um I've always enjoyed, especially if it's done if it's done the right way, you yeah. know what I mean? Where you're not it's more about the I mean not I don't want to say a cappella because I do like a little bit of music in the background, but you know, sometimes you do Silent Night and it's like the band is really loud and it's just like, yeah, you're kind of drowning out the song. But Silent Night would be mine. And then second is Mama got or grandma got ran over by reindeer. <laughs> That's a real song, right? I'm not. I'm not really a big Christmas song guy, so I don't even know if I could pick one. My 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 daughter, my daughter Juliet, loves Jingle Bells. Like that's her favorite song. So I've heard it about a million times over the last like week or so. So your daughter's favorite song is the most annoying Christmas song ever. I mean, pretty much. She loves it, man. She absolutely loves it. So hey, it's her pick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Brandon Plensner, which is kind of funny because I love Christmas, but I'm not really a Christmas song guy. Uh, Brandon Plensner, any offensive tackles in the portal that Notre Dame should take a look at? I believe if there's an experienced, needle-moving offensive tackle, Notre Dame should give them a serious look. Oh, yeah. I mean, if there's a needle mover there, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the conversation we had the other day is I just don't think there are guys out there like that that would come to Notre Dame. Not right now. That, anyway. that, those guys, guys, it's, it, those guys are a premium. And if, if there's a needle-moving left tackle – He's not going to just—he's going to be getting the, some he's big offers. He's probably in or the draft, he's, <laughs> right? Correct. Or he's an underclassman that they can't get. Yeah. Or to your point, Ryan, he's in the draft. I mean, maybe there's like some group of five guy that thinks that he needs the exposure of a Notre Dame or something like that. But the, I mean, again, Ryan, they've the NFL has no problem drafting Matt guys, and I mean, yeah. a flipping guy from so Howard got drafted. No, the where was the Howard kid from? He was in an FCS school, wasn't he? I mean, from Alabama Howard. State or something like that. The kid that the Texans. Oh, Titus drafted. Howard. Titus, Titus Howard. Yeah. yeah, Alabama State. Yeah. I yeah. So. so if you if you can play the NFL draft, yeah, I don't really care that we've seen guys from Northern Iowa going. Didn't the one kid from Northern Spencer Iowa Brown. go in the first round recently? Se- uh, Se- second or third round. He's a day okay. two kid, but still. So yeah. we we've seen plenty of those guys get picked. So I just don't know that that guy's out there, Brandon. And if he is, he's going to be a hot commodity because there aren't a lot. Yeah. And he's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, the only guys that I really like are just like smaller school guys that like it would be a little bit of a jump. Like I like I saw the Jalen Travis kid from Princeton in person, and I, I mean he had third round NFL grades before the season. But Is that he that got, six nine kid? Yeah, well he's actually six seven and a and an eighth, okay. but they list him at six nine because like why not? I guess whatever. But he's very talented, but he's coming off of a lower body injury was the only thing. J.C. Davis from New Mexico is very talented, but like. The jump from New Mexico to Notre Dame is a pretty large jump, but like the kid is super talented, so I would at least give it a look. But yeah, I just don't know if there's any guy out there right now. More developmental guys than like no right. doubt left. And if you're gonna have a developmental guy, year. develop Charles Jagasaw, develop Gibby right. Lambert, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, just like quarterback, well, I'm not taking a developmental quarterback that's raw. You know, yep. I give me a guy that can you can go win with now or develop your young guys. 
BH with the question, what was the best improvement that Marcus Freeman made between years one and two? What is the biggest change he needs to make heading into year three? That's a good question, Ryan. I mean, there, there's several. I mean, just big picture, this team destroyed all the teams they were supposed to beat. Teams that's, that that's got to you know, be the biggest one. I mean, yeah, that has to be. You, they you didn't to, just you win, win, Ryan. They you have to win the you have to win the 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 layups, right? Like you can't right. struggle against the layups. So, I mean, Stanford went from sixteen to fourteen loss to a fifty-six to twenty-three blowout. Yeah, you know, you look at uh, you look at teams like Cal that they beat by a touchdown last year. BYU they beat by eight. Navy they yep. beat by three. You know, again, those are perfect examples of teams they played both years. You know, you have some. Well, who's the Cal equivalent this year? Right. You know, but he, he, here's what I look at: Navy was a better team this year than they were last year. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's arguable. They were five and six this year. They've got some good wins. If they beat Army, they're in a bowl game. You know, but uh, last year they were what three and nine last yeah. season, four and eight. And Notre Dame needed was Notre Dame was like, thank God the clock ran out against them last year. This right. year is 28 nothing at halftime. They beat them 42 to three, you know, and, and, and when you look at different parts of this team, you know, you, you look at, for example, central Michigan is, you know, I mean, who, who'd be the equivalent to them last year? Um, UNLV, you sure similar, yeah. similar, you know, to me, similar type of game, but then you look at other games like, you know, uh, Pitt, you know, last year, Pitt to me is like cow from last year, you know, or you know, that, that you, you, instead of beating them 24, 17, you beat them 58 to seven, you know, wake Forest might, you know, is a team you look at and say, you know, that's a team that you dominated this year. And so I just feel like in those games, they were more dominant than they were last year. Um, some other things I thought this team was a little bit more uh, physical defensively this yep. year than they were last year. Not so much on offense, but defensively they were. They were more physical defensively. Um, that's a plus. It's not just about getting older. That has to be something you emphasize. Uh, this team, to me, played a lot more guys this year, which was good than they did last year. Um, I thought they were smarter with their rotations this year on defense. We didn't see as much of the wholesale put-your-second-team defensive line in the game as we did last year. That's, that's an adjustment to me. Um, What's the biggest change he needs to make heading into year three? The biggest change he needs to make in year three is he needs to change how he looks at offensive football and what works on offensive football. And this isn't about the OC. This isn't about pro or minus Jared Parker. This is just in general, Ryan. He cannot build a championship football team if he thinks they're going to play ball control and win that way. It's just not going to happen. They're never going to have the talent to win that way from a championship standpoint. I'm not saying you need to be LSU. I'm not saying you need to be, you know, scoring 50 points a game, 45 points a game, but you have to be more aggressive on offense against everyone, not just the teams that you're not afraid of losing to. Right. And and that's going to be a big thing for me. And then you're recruiting to be that type of guy, but now you've got to be willing to turn your coaches loose. And if you don't trust them to turn them loose, then find guys that you do trust to turn them loose. Right. That's a big thing for me. I mean, it's about evolution offensively. It is because I mean, what was the biggest difference in the in the losses this year is that when Notre Dame had to play against good defenses, they weren't able to capitalize, and uh, offense wasn't able to carry a defense. I think that this is a very defensive centric team as far as the defense. The offense always seems to complement the, the the defense, and it needs to be the other way around in certain instances. There's going to be some games where 
defense just doesn't have it, right? Like there's just going to be some of those games and your offense needs to be able to be that team. So you need to be, you need to evolve offensively, open it up a little bit, be a little bit more creative, get your playmakers outside more involved. Quarterback position needs to take a big step forward from a development perspective, just as a roster as well. So yes, open up the offense, make sure that there are games or going to be times where the offense can carry the defense and not the other way around. Yeah. A couple other things. I I do think this team still needs to be more physical than they are uh, on both sides of the ball. I think there's another level of just overall physical toughness that Notre Dame still can get to. And um, that's going to be a big one. I, I One thing I do like is he has shown a willingness to kind of move on from coaches if he needs to. We'll see if he can continue to do that yep. when the circumstances aren't as dire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as, as they were this year. But um, I mean, it, it, and there's a lot of things like that. And and look, but the, some of the stuff that that I'm I needed, he needs to do better of, Ryan. This is what kind of gives me hope. When I look at how they're recruiting, you don't recruit Deuce Knight and Cam Williams and and Kedron Youngs and even Jaden Greathouses, if you're a guy that wants to just be a ground and pound, short in the game guy. You know what I mean? Like you don't re- re- recruit to me Deuce Knight if you're if you're gonna say hey, you know, or or even Riley Leonard if you're just gonna be like let's shorten the game and not make mistakes and that's just not who you go after in the portal. You know what I mean? Like there's other quarterbacks that would be much better fits for that. So part of me believes that he knows this, but is just not comfortable maybe sometimes just letting it go. Right. And and so that's why I'm I'm, I'm optimistic because when you just look at how this team is recruited and the type of players that they're recruiting on offense. Mm-hmm. They're not recruiting like a team that just wants to play keep away. He run heavy. And yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if it, if it translates. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.